to me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and we are in week two of the preseason for the New York Giants. Sunday night at MetLife Stadium, the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Not sure at this time last year if there would have been anyone who predicted that the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl. Alas, they were losing to the Rams, but moving in the right direction, certainly, with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and company. I'm not sure we'll see any of those guys on the field on Sunday night, whereas the Giants, they will be playing their starters, the healthy ones anyway, for the second straight game. We were up in Foxborough for the preseason opener. I can give you my impressions of what we saw and what we've seen so far in practice going this week. On today's show, one-on-one with Davis Webb, one time viewed as the heir apparent here with the Giants, ended up leaving when the new regime came in, drafted Kyle Lalletta, and... Davis Webb went on to the Jets, then found himself in Buffalo with Joe Shane and Brian Dable. He's been in the Buffalo system for four years, and now Davis comes back to the Giants. Uh, Not necessarily a full circle return, but now as really one of the wise mentors, if you will, in the locker room and the meeting room and on the practice field for not just Daniel Jones and and really someone else that he could bounce off of things with Tyrod Taylor in terms of this offense, but for the younger guys on this team, for guys who are trying to make an impression in the preseason, that there is value in having someone like Davis Webb. Uh, It's an interesting dynamic. I talked to Davis about that and a whole bunch more. I think you'll enjoy that interview. Uh, Davis has always been a great interview and, uh, we can talk a little bit about that after you hear the interview. Uh, also today, the final drive, second installment. I took your questions via Twitter, hashtag all in art. And you had some interesting ones this week. I will get to those in our final segment today. Thanks to everyone for participating. Now let's talk where the Giants are. Well, they're banged up, number one. And when you can only field two offensive lines in training camp with a 90-man roster, you know you kind of have a numbers issue. Now, it went down from 90 to 85, as mandated by the league, on Tuesday. Then next Tuesday... It will the roster will be pared down to eighty, so another five spots must be freed up, and then the final cut down must be made by the Tuesday 
after the Giants-Jets preseason game, which is a 1 o'clock Sunday at MetLife Stadium. So that is a big movement. It would not surprise me to see some guys uh, go and have it be under 80 going into that final preseason game. Just based on what Brian Dable said yesterday, he was questioned as to why the Giants got down to 85 before practice when numbers and injuries have been an issue. And he said that he and Joe Shane, when they got together, they felt like it was the only fair thing uh, for players not to, to make them go out for a practice and then cut them afterwards. Now, I'm sure that had something to do with it, but also in the business of the NFL, if one of those guys that you know you're already going to cut uh, gets hurt, now they're going to be paid their full salary rather than being released prior to practice, or they would have to be waived injured, then they would revert, and then they would have to have some sort of injury settlement. So there's a lot of things going on, uh, but Dable and Joe Shane have made a point to say that when they've brought guys in to this point, they've been together in the office, both breaking the news to the player, that it's not a trickle-down effect. It's not go see Joe Shane and then see Brian Dable, not go see Brian Dable, then maybe you see Joe Shane in passing. Uh, They've made it a point. Now, some teams do, some teams don't. Uh, The Giants have kind of been a little bit all, all over the board the last couple years as we've seen from that regime so certainly when the regime ended with Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman there was a feeling that they were kind of two ships passing in the night uh, and that has not been the case to this point for Joe Shane and Brian Dable and they've gone out of their way to prove that they are on the same page to show to give that unified front Uh, as I mentioned, to start camp with a joint press conference rather than doing uh, a pair of solo press conferences. Uh, I think that's you can see that they're making that effort to show you that they are in and and they are in lockstep. And let's be honest, it doesn't have to be too challenging for Shane and Dable, who have spent the last four years together, uh, to to get to that point. Now, when we get into the regular season, I'm sure there'll be times where they disagree. I'm sure they've disagreed on some player evaluation. At this point, that will be the case. But when you're on the same page, you can have disagreements. You could come to conclusions and compromises, and then you move on and move forward. Uh, I'm not sure if that has happened. When things have gotten bad with the Giants over the last four or five years, uh, I think there's been a divide between the front office, the personnel side, and the coaching staff, and that can't exist. And I think they're working very hard uh, to make sure that that does not happen. So we'll get into more stuff, more of the timely, topical stuff in the final drive with your questions. But right now, without further ado... Let's get to my interview with Davis Webb. All right, joining me now, you know, I remember one of the first times you probably walked into this field house, and here we are six years later and back again. Davis Webb, quarterback, thanks for joining me. Appreciate you having me. 
So when you walk in here, I know you've been back for months now, but when you walk back in here, do you have any flashbacks from when you were the clean-shaven rookie who walked in here, I would imagine a little wide-eyed and welcoming, you know, into your NFL career? Yeah, I think um, I think the, my first day back here um, was kind of surreal because I signed on Monday and Eli came up and so it was me, Eli, and Daniel having lunch. Um, so that was kind of funny. Uh, it was kind of crazy to see some of the trainers, some of the cafeteria people, some front office people, um, new strength staff, um, some new coaches, obviously having Dave's, Shay, and um, OG Bobby Johnson. So that, that was pretty good to kind of have some uh, um, familiar faces around. You've had a heck of a run to this point, um, and maybe not, you know, all journeys are different in the NFL, but. You know, I don't know how many players have played for all three teams in New York yeah. uh, to get to that point, but you had a decision to make, right? Uh, you kind of had that crossroads the end of last season. Uh, I know it's been out there. I haven't talked to you about it directly, but that the Bills wanted you to join their coaching staff, and with Dave's and, and Joe coming down here, you made the decision to keep playing. Uh, can you give me a little insight on what your mindset was, what you were thinking, and you know, why you decided to kind of take this path? Um, well, I mean, first of all, both options were to play. So I could have played in Buffalo or okay. play with the Giants. Um, the coaching thing was more along the lines of if you're ready to hang it up, then we would love for you to gotcha. be the quarterback coach. Um, so I really had three options, but I, th- I feel like when I was, if I looked into the future and I was 40 years old, um, I know I'll probably be coaching by then. So, um, but to turn down two contracts to keep playing. Um, I just felt like I'd be regretting that at some point in my life. So I want to be able to exhaust every opportunity and give it my best shot um, to get on the field at some point would be nice to throw a pass in the NFL. Um, um, I've had had negative rushing yards from two knees. So I I got my first action last year against the Jets at MetLife, which was kind of crazy, former team, former stadium. And... um, yeah, I mean, I, I still can throw it really well. I'm running good. I know the offense well, so, I mean, why stop now? Um, this is the most comfortable I've ever been, so um, it kind of felt weird to stop now. So I know that thing's going to be there when I'm done playing. You know, it's funny. Even before you were drafted, that coaching thing was already on your thing. I mean, your dad and everything else. Um, sometimes people look at that as a negative. Like, why are you trying to force me into coaching? But you've always had that part of your personality where – you know, you were a coach on the field. That's how you attack the game as a player. Uh, so I would imagine six years in now, you've taken that part of your game where when you do decide to stop playing, it's so much further advanced than if you just woke up when you were done playing saying, I'm going to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've known that since I was a kid. I, that's what I want to do in the next phase of my life. But um, I'm just not ready for that yet. I think uh, – Whenever that time does come, I'll be ready to knock it out, but I'm not there yet. Uh, Between Brian Dable and, like you mentioned, Bobby Johnson, Shea Tierney, uh, quarterbacks coach, uh, there's probably no one in this program who knows the Brian Dable offense better than you. Um, So tell me conceptually, what do you like about it? You've been in a bunch of different offenses with different coordinators and design-wise, but... What, what about the Dable design? I know Mike Kafka is part of the design as well, but what do you like about that? What should Giants fans expect to see in terms of schematically what, what this offense wants to do? Yeah, I think the object of the game, first of all, is to win. So whatever it takes, whether it's handing out to Saquon, 
you know, 30 times or dropping back 50 times. I think whatever we feel like throughout the week, game planning and um, understanding our personnel and attacking their personnel and just kind of understanding what gives the best uh, chance to beat them, that's what we're going to do. So I think Dave's has um, the best thing he does. He has no, I would say, um, what am I trying to say here? Like he's not just going to say we're going to throw it 50 times a game every every week. Like He's going to say the object of the game is to win the game, so whatever it takes to win it. Win by one, that's a win. We won that week, we move on to the next one. It could be a whole different game plan. It could be a whole different look, different motions, different formations, different concepts, but we've run them before. It's just depending on that week in particular, how can you um, expose the defense at hand. How is, how is Dave's different than any of the coaches that you've had? Um, I think he's able to adapt and relate. Um, pretty quick to everybody. It doesn't matter where you're from, but your background, he's a, he's a player's coach. I know that gets said a lot, but he actually means it. Um, he doesn't text or call, he FaceTimes. Um, you know, I've never gotten a phone call from him. The only text I get from him is, hey, FaceTime me when you're free. So I think, um, you know, he wants to get to know the person and he wants to get to know your family and your background. And um, I think you play harder for guys like that. Um, I've known him for four years now, and I've seen him just about every day for four years. So um, we have a really good relationship, and I, I know Daniel and Tyra's relationship with him is building as well. Uh, weirdest place you've ever gotten a FaceTime from Brian Dable? Or most memorable place? Well, I mean, most consistent place is the hot tub with a cigar. <laughs> that's that's pretty consistent. Um, I, I think um, – I'm trying to think – if, if, if he's around maybe a former player, you know, that we played with back in the day and they're, yeah. they're out of it, retired or anything, that's always a fun FaceTime. Or I'll FaceTime with Josh or um, somebody from Buffalo. Um, um, but, yeah, most of the time he's in the hot tub. <laughs> so, you know, I was going through the list of quarterbacks that you've been around in this league, and it's not like you've been in this league for a dozen years, but – you do have, I mean, you played with, with Eli, obviously, here when you were on the shorter end, and then when you started on the shorter end, or early end of your career, and then obviously being with Josh up in Buffalo. Um, have you sensed even, like I said, it's only year six, but the qualities that what makes quarterbacks in this league yeah. great? I mean, I, other than yeah. talent, obviously. Yeah, I think it goes back talent-wise. I mean, in college we had Baker Mayfield and well, Pat Mahomes yeah. and – Nick Shimanek, uh played for the Chargers for a little bit. Um, so I, I've kind of always had a decent room, you know. I think I've always been around really good players, really good competitors. And obviously in the NFL, I've had some some older guys like Josh McCown, young guy Sam Darnold, um, Josh, Matt Barkley, Mr. Trubisky, uh, Geno Smith, probably going to start in Seattle. Um, you know, he's in the competition, I guess. So, I mean, I, there's been a lot of good players. I just – I'm thankful to kind of see um, their backgrounds and talking to every single one of them, especially Tyrod now. He's been around many, many systems and a lot of different experiences. So I think just taking as much as I can and learning from them is going to help me in the next step uh, for sure. And I've approached it that way. Um, I'm not just talking to talk. I, I have meaningful questions that I think will help me out. Um, in the next phase of my life. Now, I asked Dave's about this today because there was talk, you know, he, he mentioned today that, you know, Tyrod being kind of viewed as the backup, that he would probably get 
some he'd look to get him some time with the ones between now and the end of the regular uh, the start of the regular season that it wasn't a reflection on Daniel it's just the way it is and you know we all talk about you everybody here you know guys on the beat know you when you first came in I know you're a competitor as well so uh, you know I asked him do you look for ways to kind of keep stoking that fire for Davis and he said you know Davis is a competitor I don't have to do that but for you personally um, how do you stoke that fire knowing that you know I don't think you're coming in here I don't want to put words in your mouth but it's not like you're saying okay I'm I'm beating out Tyrod and Daniel even though that might be the way you handle yourself how do you keep that those competitive juices going um I mean the first two things I write down every year is be the hardest worker you can be and be a good teammate and then I kind of go from there and just compete with yourself I mean I, I try to throw a lot of completions you know I'm very very hard on myself probably um that's probably a positive and a negative um but um I, I have no control over when Tyrod drops a dime on a go ball or Daniel does a really good job moving the pocket throwing a post I'm happy for them um but when I'm in I, I try to make the most out of that rep and then if it's an incompletion in second and 10, it's not the worst thing in the world. Or if it's a first down, you get to roll the ball out and get three more chances at 10 yards. So I, I think it's more just focusing on your inner self. And, you know, I think if you look at others around the league or in your room um, or previous places I've been, I think that kind of puts a mental hijack on yourself. So just kind of worry about your rep on that play and do the best you can and then go out and do it again. When Thursday night, when you're driving down that last drive, uh, I would imagine, you know, some people turn the TV off. We watch it and say, ah, it's not preseason. But for you guys in that huddle, I would imagine it's, I don't want to say it's Super Bowl, but that, that's all that matters. 32 how, teams are watching that one. So how, that's, how that's satisfying is that? Um, it was kind of cool. Um, guys that were here, trainers, and a couple of equipment guys were like, you did this in 20 was it 17 yeah. um, for a preseason game against New England? And I I kind of laughed it off because we had a lot more time this time than we did that other time. I think it was the last time was 30-something seconds. Um, so I, we got in the huddle, and, you know, we ran the ball really good that night. I think um, Antonio obviously played really good. Sandra had a nice run in there. Corbin played good. Um, Gary Brightwell ran hard. Um, hopefully we get Matt back and he can show what he's got to all the Giant fans. Um so, yeah, I mean, that was a situation we were in. It, it was fun. Um, didn't really think about who was watching or not. I got a lot of Snapchats from former teammates in Buffalo watching it at the Metallica concert. <laughs> so that, that made me feel good after the game to, to know that um, former, uh, former teammates and great friends were, were watching. I got a lot of texts. Um, people stayed up for me. Um, so uh, it was fun to get a, uh, another win. And um, the first one in, um, in Dave's and Joe's of the era. Uh, how different are you as a as a quarterback from the guy who was here as a rookie? <laughs> um, got a new beard. Um, I think just being in five offenses um, in your first three years and then having the chance to be in this one for now going on four, I think you kind of pick and choose what you really liked and what you, you loved, and then you, you, you tell it how it is if you don't like it. Um, I have a really good comfort with Shea. I mean, Shea basically taught me the offense in Buffalo because um, I got there week one, you know, and, and then the next offseason, you know, Dave's and Doris were really involved. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, being with Bobby Johnson and the run game stuff, I think he does an absolute 
unbelievable job best I've ever been around and learning from Mike now because um, we both know Pat well just learning the Andy Reid stuff and kind of their philosophies either on red zone or different concepts or protections I mean I, I just have a lot of good coaches around me and now I get to watch Wink call defenses every day I've <laughs> never really been around a defense as aggressive as this one and kind of hearing um, his philosophies on stuff. I just think I've been exposed to a lot of really, really good coaches and a lot of really good players. And, um, you know, I tried to, when Danny will ask a question, I tried to give him as much as I can within all the people I've been around and personal experiences as well. Now, I re- I thought I read that, that you, you used to have like Friday nights, you and Josh would, would go out and just break down the offense and mm-hmm. talk stuff. Do you do, have you guys started to do any of that here? Uh, Daniel and I have talked about it, um, you know, preseason wise. I mean, that, we did that in a regular season um, because I would be already two days in, a, in advance of the next team. Like it would be, gotcha. it is a different week schedule. Like I would be, by Friday night, I was basically done with next week's opponent. So mentally I was kind of done with next week's and I was, kind of bring, reeling it back in and it helped me remind what was what was going on this week again because I was watching so much of the next team because um, I knew I wasn't going to play I wasn't going to address um, whether that be Mitch was the backup or, or Matt the year before um, so yeah on Friday nights we would just kind of go over the game plan rank them talk situations talk um, uh, personnel guys what we like what we don't like what do we need another rep on the day before the game it's been a while let's, mm. let's do that um and then shoot it over to Dave's or Shea, our final rankings, and then we would compare our top tens, and usually they were pretty similar. Um, I don't know. If, I, I got to see how similar Daniel and I would be. We'll find out week one. Do you env- you envision something like that? Oh, yeah, that, that, that's going to be done. I mean, it's it, it's cool to kind of have a player in the same room do it with you, um, rather than a coach, I think. Um, it's just a different conversation. It's different feel. Um you know, I, I want Daniel to have his best year. Uh, we all do. That's that's why we're here, and um, I think he's going to. Let me ask you, does it matter to you, you know, we start getting to numbers games and guys are on the 53. You've obviously spent enough time on practice squad and on the active roster. When that comes around and, you know, they've got to make those decisions, <clears throat> how, do you, how do you handle that? Does, does that matter to you? I mean, it matters to you because, you know, you want to be on the 53, um, and that goes back to being a competitor and hopefully doing enough where they can carry three guys because, um, you know, with other two quarterbacks we got in our room are really good too. So, um, you know, I think it comes down to numbers. It comes down to what what philosophy you're in. Um, you know, I, when I'm coaching, I know I'd like to carry three, but that's, that's down the road, you know, and that's talking with a lot of guys and, you know, but it comes down to how many D linemen do you want, how many receivers you want, how many tight ends you want, fullback. You know, there's there's a lot of factors there. But the only thing you can't control is doing your best every day and playing good in the preseason and making that decision tough on them. Five years from now, <clears throat> where's Davis Webb? Oh, what is he doing? 33, 32. Yeah. So what are you doing? Um, well, if I'm still playing, that'd be pretty cool. You know, if um, you know, I want to be a backup in this league and you know, be a play away um, and you know, have a chance to, um, you know, get game film. And I, I think that that's what I want to do. Um, so that would be my goal. Um, if it doesn't happen, I mean, coaching would be the other thing. And the good thing about that is there's two pretty good options. 
because you've been around guys, you've been around a guy, especially like Dave's now, to go from you see his lineage as a coach and then he finally gets that opportunity. When you say you want to be in coaching, do you see yourself as an NFL head coach or is that so far beyond just I want to be a coach? Oh, no, I mean, I, I, that's my goal um, in that profession. Um, I just told you my NFL goals sure. to get back up uh, and, you know, be a play away. And if, if you're starting six games, win, win six, you know, and, and, and come in and, and be a part of the team dress, you know, and um, obviously you want to be a starter. Um, but uh, whenever you've been to three for a while, an attainable goal is to move up to two. You don't want to jump from, you know, three to one. That'd just be speaking out of turn. Right. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, when I'm coaching, I definitely want to be an NFL head coach. Um, I want to be able to call plays. Um, but I understand there's a, a process into getting that, too. Um, I kind of got lucky, uh, I would say, getting an opportunity to maybe be the quarterback coach in Buffalo. And um, that was pretty cool to kind of show Coach McDermott and Brandon Bean what you've been doing for three years has paid off in that regard. And you right. felt um, acknowledged, I would say. Um, but I just didn't feel like it was the right time nor place at, at, at right then and there. And um, I'm happy that I'm here helping others and continue to grow as a player right now. And it's not like you went somewhere and shopped yourself around the NFL and said, this is where I'm going. I mean, these two guys who came here mm -hmm. in Joe Shane and Brian Dable to build something, yeah. they decided that they wanted you here. That mm -hmm. Yeah, you felt, you felt wanted. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think in Buffalo it, it was tough to – mentally just say like okay you offered me the, the coaching deal i'm playing like what, what do you really see me as here it was we want you to play we believe you as a player and they believe me in buffalo as a player but i just really felt i spent the most time with dave's joe and shay and and bobby and i just felt like i wanted to come back here i got drafted here this place means a lot to me i mean i know i've never played here but you know, I've always wanted to win here. And I think those two guys at the top uh, give us the best chance to do that. I know I said, keep saying last thing, but I love yeah, being cool. here with you. <clears throat> I watch you on a practice field and <clears throat> I've seen an evolution in you as a player. You're out there. It looks like you're not freewheeling, but you're throwing sidearm. You're doing what you, what you got to do to get the plays done. Do you feel that freedom now as a player that you're out there and it's almost like just let it go and, and do what you got to do? Yeah, I think, you know, I've gotten a lot of reps or mental reps in this offense. Um, I've I've taken a lot of um, notes and conversation from guys that have been in it before. Um, and I think just trying to get my group, um, whether that be, you know, Bachman's had a really good camp. Um, KD's been playing good. Mark's been playing good. Our tight end group has come along every single day. So, I mean, just trying to get them along with me. Like, I, these are my four or five favorite checks, and I promise you that I'm going to get to them eventually this week. So, if you know those, we'll, we'll be just fine. And I mean, you're doing a great job as a quarterback. Dave's even said this today, that there's an importance in the idea of when you're out there with the guys that they really need to evaluate at the bottom of this roster and see if they can be a part of this team. They need the quarterback to kind of – get them and that goes from the offensive line to the tight ends to the running backs so there is a little responsibility for you that they entrust that well davis is going to get them in the right spots that we can evaluate them yeah i mean we want a successful play so you know if i think mike's done a really good job i mean the game he got the plays in so fast i mean he, kafka did a really good job last week and it was easy to operate um 
you know, I, we didn't have any mental bust really last week. Um, that's a credit to everybody studying. And, um, you know, the game plan wasn't too strenuous. But, however, like, there was still no Emmys or um, guys thinking too much, playing slow. Like we, I thought we played fast. We ran the ball good. And the O-line moved the new, made a new line of scrimmage every play. So, whatever this week comes, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know. But I think – um, those guys in my huddle especially have worked extremely hard and they picked up the offense a lot faster than, um, you know, guys I've previously been with. Davis Webb, quarterback of the New York Giants, number five when I met you, number 12 now. I appreciate you being on this week and best of luck the rest of the summer and then into the season. Appreciate it, Art. All right, special thanks to Davis Webb for joining me this week and – you know, as mentioned, as we talked about, you know, I've known him since he walked in the building. And we're doing that interview in the same field house that he was a clean shaven rookie. And now he is only one of three players who were here for the Ben McAdoo, Jerry Reese ouster. And Davis was obviously here the next year up through training camp for the Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman beginnings. And then he was not here, obviously, for the Judge regime the last two years. And he just brings a different dynamic to this meeting room, this position room. Uh, And as you heard him say, he's not looking necessarily to end his playing career right now, but I also don't think he has delusions of grandeur either. Like he said, you don't spend your career as the number three bouncing back and forth between the practice squad and the active roster and then all of a sudden think you're going to be number one. His goal is to get to a point where he can be the number two and he's one play away from getting a start. I mean, he hasn't thrown a pass in an NFL game yet. As he said, the only time he's gotten in a game was last year when the Bills beat up on the Jets at MetLife Stadium. So, uh, you know, but look, Davis is a, a smart guy. Uh, I think Joe Shane and Brian Dable did not bring him here to just kind of be a figurehead. It's not like they threw out a bouquet to get him a contract to come here. They see value in his presence here, and obviously he has bigger goals. And one of those was to help Daniel Jones become the best quarterback that he can be this year. And every time you mention Brian Dable and Davis Webb, or Joe Shane and Davis Webb, also mention Shea Tierney, who's here as the quarterback's coach, because Shea and Davis are very close. And then obviously you heard Davis talk about Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, OG, as he referred to him. Uh, I think Davis is very comfortable. I think it hurt him to have to leave the Giants back in 2017, uh, well, 2018. And I think, uh, you know, he went through a lot as a rookie. You know, he kind of joked with me off off air as we were breaking down the, the setup yesterday, the idea that, you know, he was here for when Eli was benched, when Gino got the job for one week. And he had to stand in that locker room and has as uncomfortable as that must have been to talk about what's next with Eli Manning in the locker next to you. And then to have it completely flip around again 
and have Eli back in and McAdoo and Reese fired and you're a rookie and you're just kind of looking around trying to figure out what's going on and then the next year they draft a young quarterback in the draft and Kyle Loletta and then come August you're out and you got to go find another job and you bounce to the Jets and you know you see what you can do there and trying to get your feet under you and then you end up in Buffalo and it really turns out to be the best thing that could have happened to you to be with a guy like Brian Dable and this offense and when Joe Shane gets a GM job there's there are overtures for you to join them down back down in the team that that you wanted to be here from the beginning um, it's it's definitely an interesting story so again thanks to Davis and uh, we'll we'll be seeing how he progresses throughout the year. Uh, I'm still not sure if it'll be on the 53-man roster. I think right now it will be. Uh, but if he has to go to the practice squad, I think that's what they'll end up doing because he wants to be here. Uh, and, you know, I think they'll do what they can to keep him here. All right, before we jump into the final drive with your questions, just want to remind you, if you haven't already subscribed to NorthJersey.com for my coverage of the New York Giants, I ask you, please do. Go to cm.northjersey.com backslash special offer, and you could take advantage of our unlimited digital access, $1 for six months for new subscribers. It's a limited time offer. But that $1 for six months will get you everything Giants-related that we do between now and the end of the 2022 season. Think about that. You get everything. Subscriber-only specials. All of the rest of our coverage. It's a great buy, a great deal. And if you appreciate everything we do for you, including this podcast, I would appreciate it. If you find a way to subscribe, because that matters to me and it matters to my bosses who are evaluating me, just as Joe Shane and Brian Dable are evaluating his their roster, we're being evaluated. And the more you subscribe, the better that is for me and my coverage of the Giants and the more we can do. So if you have that opportunity and if you have the means, please do so. It would really mean a lot to not only this podcast, but me and our coverage. All right, let's get into the final drive. Your questions. Uh, Questions were good in week one, even better this week. I think this is a way to kind of stay timely and hit on whatever topics are on your mind. So let's jump right into it. First question is from Johnny Five. And he says, huge fan of yours. How much stock do you put into what Dable said about Jones and Taylor? To me, it just means he's trying to keep Taylor prepared. Also, shout out to his podcast, J5 Getting Live. Thanks for the question, Johnny. And look, this is the topic that's coming out of Tuesday's practice. Brian Dable was asked in the morning, would he consider giving any first-team reps to Tyrod Taylor? And 
you know, Dable, I thought, answered it pretty honestly. And I don't think it was a shot across the Daniel Jones bow, if you will. I think this really was a situation where Dable was asked and he answered the question. And look, Tyrod's a backup. Tyrod's QB too. No one do I talk to in this organization who does not view Daniel Jones as QB1. Could that change? Sure. It could change by performance. It could change by injury. That's why Tyrod Taylor is here. But the process over results, which is the really the, the, the buzzy approach that Dable and his coaching staff are taking, they need to see and get prepared for if Daniel Jones gets hurt or has to come out, let's get Tyrod some experience in there with the first team. So that's pretty much all I think it is. Because if you look at what Dable said, he was asked directly, is that a reflection on Daniel Jones? And he said, absolutely not. No. And he didn't 100% commit to getting Tyrod Taylor snaps with the first team. He said, we might. Because their feeling is that if he's the backup quarterback, let's see some opportunities. There may be times on Sunday night where in the middle of a series, they throw Tyrod Taylor out there with the first team because they want to see how he functions having to be forced into a game. This isn't about game planning for an opponent. This is about getting Tyrod Taylor opportunities with this with this first team just in case he has to go in there and operate the first team offense. I don't think there's anything more to it right now. Again, I've been wrong before, but I just don't think that that's where Dable and the front office are at in terms of Daniel Jones. You heard Davis Webb. It's right now the focus is about Daniel Jones. And that's where it is, and I think they will do whatever they can to make sure that Daniel Jones is as prepared as he can for the regular season. And then it's about performing. And I think you're going to see a better Daniel Jones than maybe you've seen in some of these practices. But we can get to that uh, on another show. All right, next question from Anti Noreen. Do you think the offensive line is the most questionable position group right now, or is CB2 the larger issue after preseason game one? Great question, Noreen, and, and what I'll say is this. I, if healthy, the offensive line is a better group. It just is. Because I think you're counting on, at, at corner, a lot of guys who have no experience. Uh, I will say, when you look at the regular season schedule, I don't know how many quarterbacks are on the Giants' schedule outside of Aaron Rodgers in London and maybe Dak Prescott that are going to be able to attack this cornerback group, especially if the front can play the way uh, Wink Martindale wants to dial things up. But as far as offensive line goes, do I think this is going to be an elite unit? No. I think you you have... Potentially one elite player right now, and I do think Andrew Thomas has an opportunity to make that leap at left tackle. 
as you saw in my story on Evan Neal. If you haven't seen it, please go to NorthJersey.com and check it out. I was able to talk to Evan Neal one-on-one about his preseason game, what he's seen, the progress, his growing pains, everything he's working on. Uh, And I was really appreciative of Evan's candor. Uh, like the kid a lot. I think he's very talented. I think he's grounded, knows exactly what's coming. So I do think that he will be, by the time we're, we're at the end of this season, you're, you are rightfully t- talking about Evan Neal as a cornerstone. We'll see what happens starting the season. But overall as a group, I think this group will be average. And if they could be average in the NFL right now, and that's not a slight, if collectively they can be average, that's better than what the Giants have put out the last couple of years. They've been dysfunctional. And if you saw in the preseason against the Patriots, they were functional. They were a functional offense. And that, to me, is a credit to Brian Dable and his coaching staff, the way they've structured this summer. And the way they've coached things. They are functional. And to me, that means that this position group is built to kind of withstand some of these hits. You know, look, if Andrew Thomas went out and got hurt, it would be a devastating injury. Same for Evan Neal. John Feliciano is the center. They want him to be the center for reasons that we've all spoken about. Communication, toughness, just gelling. The injury to Shane Lemieux hurts. We're not sure when he's going to be back. Could it be a couple weeks? I guess you hope. But we haven't seen Shane and haven't had an opportunity to talk to Shane. And Brian Dable, the one thing about injuries, he's pretty close to the vest. If you thought Joe Judge kept state secrets regarding injuries, Brian Dable takes it to another level. And that's his right as a coach. That's his approach. That's his uh, philosophy. So to answer your question, Noreen, I think it's corner. After Adoree Jackson, I think whatever questions you may have for Aaron Robinson, uh, I think beyond that, I need to see if Darnay Holmes is a product of him being very familiar with the Giants' offense in the summer, which is why he's been able to produce as much as he has, or has that experience helped him gain an edge that he can use in the regular season in Wink Martindale's defense? Because let's be honest, you watch Darnay Holmes make some of these plays this summer, it looks as if he does know the plays that are coming. And whether it's hand signals or... Just body language, you got to give Darnay credit for being knowledgeable and being savvy enough to pick those things up. But that's not going to happen in week one against the Tennessee Titans. So there's got to be some things taught and learned here. Uh, and I can't say or whether Darnay has picked that up and gained that in his uh, repertoire. So we'll see. But... You have to be encouraged with the way he's produced this summer as the slot corner. Uh, but in this situation, uh, I still need to see more come the regular season to make sure that what I'm seeing in the summer is not a mirage. But thanks for that question, Noreen. Isaac Medina asks, do you think Saquon will have a huge workload on the season? Yes, 
I do, Isaac. And I think, look, everything could change in a snap of a finger or a step on a foot of a defender, which is what happened to Saquon last year when he was derailed in Dallas coming off of that great game in New Orleans. But he's healthy, he's explosive, he's running north and south, he's not dancing in the backfield. This offense seems to have something going on the ground. Cautiously optimistic that they're a much better unit running the football. And I think Saquon will be used judiciously. I think he'll be out there. I think he'll be out there. And I think he'll be used a lot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes behind him. But, yes, to answer your question, I think Saquon will get a lot of touches. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, that obviously is the biggest question. All right, next question goes to John. Any surprises at corner so far, or will the loss of Bradbury be an issue all year? Well, the loss of Bradbury, I think, will be an issue all year because we will always go back to that. When The first time Aaron Robinson fails in the regular season, heck, people were doing it on... Thursday night in the New England game, when Robinson was giving up plays, it was, boy, they gave away Bradbury for this. Um, And I think people understand why Bradbury is no longer a giant, but I think there still remains frustration that they weren't able to figure out a way to keep him here because he was solid. It just opened up one more question that you have to have. Uh, As far as surprises go, I think the surprise is going to be someone that they acquire from another team over the next couple weeks, or even in free agency, but I think it's more likely it's someone from another team that comes in here and all of a sudden is getting uh, prime reps, if not week one, week two, week three, uh, the way things go. So keep an eye on that. I think that that's one of the positions that they'll be looking to upgrade uh, if they can through through the rest of the preseason and then heading into the regular season. All right, next question from Manny. Manny, what position? Here we go. Plays right into it. What position group do you think Joe Shane will work on to improve after the final cutdown? O-line or secondary? I'd say both. And I think tight end you can put in that mix too. Very thin at tight end. Daniel Bellinger is the top gun here. And then after that, there's a lot of question marks. So I think it's all three. And I think what you'll end up seeing is that they're going to use kind of the one-to-one deal. I don't think they'll trade draft picks. I think it'll be a... There's a player on our roster that we may or may not keep for the 53. Let's deal him for somebody that may help. From surplus, maybe you're looking at a situation where the Giants trade from their edge group. Do they deal in Ellerson Smith, although he got banged up this week with, with what appeared to be a foot injury? Quincy Roche, does he get another player, a young player? Maybe, maybe he's just kind of... In a deep group, um, you know, do they deal? Can they get someone for O'Shane Zimenez? I'm not sure, you know, but I think you have to look in those situations. What can they do? Darius Slayton, again, $2.5 million for Darius Slayton this year. 
if he, regardless of how he's producing, if he's a wide receiver four or five, he's not playing on special teams, and you're paying him two point five million dollars a year. I, I don't think that's happening. I, I can't, I can't see that working out. So, um, I could see Darius getting uh, shopped for another player on another roster, and. This is what Joe Shane is doing. Joe Shane has his personnel department. His assistant general manager, Brandon Brown, Tim McDonald, Dennis Hickey. Those guys are calling teams now. They're setting up relationships with people on the other other teams. And they already know, okay, where are you strong? Where are you deep? Where do you need help? What positions might you be looking for? And then as the preseason plays out, They'll make those calls, and they'll say, hey, listen, this is what we've got here. Okay, you, you have somebody that's going to shake free on your end? You want to make a one-for-one swap and see what we can do? It happened last year with the Packers. Isaac Yadam ended up going to Green Bay. The Giants ended, get, ended up getting, uh, I think it was Jackson who came back. Didn't make a, a dent in the roster for the Giants, but I think those are the kind of deals that you're looking for. Uh, and then we start seeing the relationships between Joe Shane, his front office, and the front offices of other teams to see who can kind of make those deals to get guys here. Similar to what the Seahawks and the Eagles did earlier this week, swapping a DB for a wide receiver. Those are the kind of moves that I would expect from Joe Shane. And I think we could end up seeing a handful of those moves over the next three-plus weeks and maybe even into the regular season. All right, we got two more questions. Matthew Block and Jacob Steinberg. Matthew Block, how has the punting been in camp? Does it surprise you competition hasn't been brought in? Has Jamie Gillen been that good where competition isn't necessary? And when you consider the kicking game a strength compared to other teams? Well, I think for sure the the kicking game with Graham Gano is a strength. Uh, And I think Gillen, you know, look, he performed well in the preseason game in New England. Uh, Am I surprised that they haven't brought in competition? Little bit. Do I think they won't? I'm not sure on that. I think they're going to follow the waiver wire tremendously. A punter is a position where you don't necessarily have to break in and learn a new playbook. If you're familiar with the philosophy, with the way your special teams coordinator, in this case Thomas McGahee, uh, likes to call a game, wants the punts, uh, whether he's a di- he wants a diagonal guy, whether he wants a boomer, uh, I think Jamie Gillen will have an opportunity but it would not shock me if the start if the punter who starts the season with the Giants is not on the roster right now. Uh, there are some teams out there that have very good competitions going, and the punter who loses out in that competition might be better or more consistent than what Jamie Gillen might bring to the table. Asking us to evaluate punting in camp, they just don't have many live drills for us to truly evaluate what Gillen's doing. Now, the coaches can evaluate because they know what they're looking for, but as far as reporters on the sideline, we don't know what they're looking for on a specific play. 
you know, there could be a situation where he kicks at 60 yards and we're like, boy, what a, you know, that's a, that's a good, a good boot from the Scottish hammer. And yet the plan on the play that he was supposed to put it inside the 10 and he kicks it through the end zone. That's not a good, that's not a good thing. So, uh, again, I'm not saying that happened, but that's just definitely something that we need to watch. Uh, so that brings us to our last question. Jacob Steinberg, who is a guy you think could end up making the final 53-man roster and making an impact that the fans or the national media aren't talking about? Love these kind of questions, Jacob, because they're always answers sure to be wrong. But. I'll give you somebody that wasn't on my initial 53 and I was impressed with what I saw last week in the preseason against the Patriots. And that's Devery Hamilton, offensive lineman, played left tackle for over 70 snaps against the Patriots. I did not have him on this team, but I was impressed. I was impressed that he hung in there. Earlier this week, when guys were banged up, he kicked inside the guard. You know, he's a young player. And I think, I don't know necessarily if he's going to grab those headlines. Well, I do know. He's not going to grab headlines. But if you're putting together your 53-man roster, and with the injuries that have happened to Marcus McKeithen, uh, now with Lemieux, you have a guy in, in Hamilton here who has shown a little versatility, and maybe he shows more. Maybe they play him exclusively at guard on Sunday night to see what he brings to the table. You know, I still think that they'll be scouring the waiver wire, bringing guys in, but Hamilton is a guy that I saw on Thursday night, and then when I went back and watched some of the film and looked at the snap counts, he was... He really took one for the team, and I think in doing so, he kind of showed that maybe he's settling into a little bit of a role here. So maybe as the last lineman on the 53, he can play a little tackle if he has to. He can play guard. He can play on special teams. He can be in the kicking units. So that's the one guy I would look at and then... The guy who's been quiet, and I think that's been by design, but blew out the beginning of camp is Wondell Robinson. I don't think anyone nationally is talking about Wondell Robinson, but he can go down to Tennessee and have a big week one, and all of a sudden all the fantasy guys are talking about who's picking up Wondell Robinson, and he's on the waiver wire, and he's costing you half your budget because all of a sudden in a PPR league, Wondell Robinson went you know six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. And you're looking at it going, man, how did I miss this guy? So those are two guys right now that I'd say I'd look at on offense. On defense, we've told you about uh, Micah McFadden and Darian Beavers. I think they'll be more involved than people think. I think they'll be mainstays on special teams. And I think Wink Martindale will look for opportunities to get those guys involved. Uh, maybe Beavers a little bit more than McFadden. Uh, early on just because of his pass rush ability. Uh, But those are two guys, two rookies on the other side of the ball that I would keep an eye on. And I do think there will be a handful of guys that we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks that maybe aren't even on this roster. So that's the final drive, and there's the final whistle. 
Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Again, thanks to Davis Webb. Thanks to all you for sending in questions. We'll do this every week. And just another sign of our commitment to you, the fans, and the audience. This is All In. I'm Art Stapleton, and we'll catch you next week.